0: Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke, uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linke.
1: Oh my goodness, what a wonderful time of year. If you love soccer at every level, you know I'm crazy about college soccer. Big game this week as Maryland knocked off Penn State in overtime. Love the atmosphere. Love the quality of play. Love everything about what's going on right now. Decision Day coming up this weekend for Major League Soccer. Tab Ramos has picked his players for his U-20 roster. They're getting ready to go to represent the USA and the U-20 World Cup. USL playoffs are off and run in. So at this time of year you look around you're like wow some great stories. St. Mary's doing an incredible job for men's Division 1. We'll hopefully talk to their coach next week. The women's teams are doing incredible. Stanford leading the charge. D2, D3, we got our eye on it as conference playoffs start right into the NCAA tournaments at every level. But when people are doing things right, you kind of want to put a microscope on them. And there's been some great articles recently about Sporting KC that draw you in and say, wow, eight consecutive years under the direction of Peter Vermes. They're doing some incredible things. And what's the deal there? And one of the things about this podcast is you have the opportunity to go ahead and cast a wide web, right? One of the great things about United soccer coaches is diversity and inclusion. And speaking of all that, tying it all together, the former communications officer, Kurt Austin, went back to Sporting KC as the director of communications. And he's going to set the table for what it's like working under a team led by Peter Vermes. As I said, great articles about him. And he's also going to set the table for Megan Cameron, who is a bit of a pioneer. She worked in player personnel at Major League Soccer for eight years. And then Peter Vermes hired her as the first woman to work for a team in that position. We're seeing more of that, but we'll hear Megan Cameron's story. And then also the USL playoffs are heating up. FC Cincinnati, 20,000 plus for their playoff game. They went to penalty kicks to beat Nashville. They'll probably have 30000 for their next playoff game as well. Nasby Abadawi, what a story as his family fled Kuwait, came over to the United States. They're Palestinian. Nasby's going to get a call-up from the Palestinian national team. He's got 11 goals for FC Cincinnati. He's our show capper. How about that show? It's coming up next. Kurt Austin, Megan Cameron, Nasby Abadawi, United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap.
0: Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more.
1: I am Dean Linke, and this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. So great to be with you. Yes, I know that college soccer season is heating up, but you know what? There's big-time soccer everywhere. The U-20s are starting as well under the direction of Tab Ramos. MLS Decision Day is coming. USL playoffs are in full swing. So we're going to cover it all. And one of the great things about this podcast, when we first got started, you heard me talk about Dr. K, Kurt Austin, the former communications officer for United Soccer Coaches. I got to call him every week because we put the podcast together. He went back to Sporting KC where he had roots. He's now the director of communications for yeah you heard it sporting kc one of the most legit franchises in all of north america they do it right there and kurt austin i'm reunited with him off the top we'll tell you why because after we get to know why sporting kc is so great we're going to visit with megan cameron who's involved in player personnel with sporting kc one of the first women to do it in major league soccer and he's going to set the table for her a lot to talk about Kurt Austin welcome back thanks for being on the program. Hey Dean great to
2: be on great to talk to you.
1: Yeah well you know first off you were really instrumental in us going every week during the college season and every other week in the off season so you know the value of this podcast for starters right? I love the podcast I, I hate that I've got to wait until Thursday morning to listen to it now I used to get it in my inbox that before. Oh, <laughs> well, you're too kind I really do appreciate that well listen you're doing uh, great work at Sporting KC as their director of communications and knowing the kind of guy you are. I think you're going to say, well, it's easy to do great work when you work for a great franchise. And here you go, Sporting KC can play to win the Western Conference coming up this weekend. Just talk about what it is like working for this great franchise.
2: Sporting KC's had a great season, but it's a continuation of what Peter Vermees and his entire technical staff have been able to build since he took over the club back at the end of the 2006 season. He's now made the playoffs eight straight seasons. That's a record for for one manager with one club. And this year, they're looking to secure the number one seed, get a buy through the knockout round, and, and see if we can make another run to MLS Cup like we did back in 2013.
1: Well, that's a great way to start it. It starts with Peter Vermees. You know, I did the Maryland Penn State game on Tuesday on the Big Ten Network, and Penn State had a young man starting up top from Delran, New Jersey, and I saw Delran, and I know Carly Lloyd's from Delran. I know she's great, but when I see Delran, New Jersey, I think Peter Vermees automatically, and Jason Gary, who was one of the best college soccer players, he's going into the Maryland Hall of Fame. He. Immediately talked about the, you know, not only Peter's ability as a coach, but you're talking about a guy who was a forward, who moved back to defender, was the MLS defender of the year, won an MLS cup, and now, like you said, every year in the playoffs. There's some articles out there about him now, about his management style, his ability to delegate and let people lead. I mean, you experienced that. Can you elaborate on that?
2: Yeah, I definitely encourage folks to try and read those two articles. One was in the Kansas City Star by Sam McDowell, the other was for The Athletic by Paul Tenorio. Both great looks inside, you know, what, what makes him such a great leader, what a great coach, and all the success that he's had here at Sporting Kansas City. It really comes down to, I think, the culture that he's been able to build and his attention to detail. You know, and it starts at the bottom with the Sporting Kansas City Academy teams from U-12s on up, and it goes through the USL with the Swill Park Rangers all the way up to the first team of Sporting Kansas City.
1: All right, so there's a segue. Soul Park Rangers, they went out to Sacramento, and they made the biggest upset of the opening week of the USL playoffs. A little teaser, by the way, Nasby Abadawi, 11 goals with FC Cincinnati. They had 20,000 this past weekend, and that's a small crowd for them, by the way, for the playoffs. So he's coming up. Let's stay with USL right now. You were big with Swope Park. They're legit. Now they play Phoenix.
2: Yeah, they had two really good seasons in 2016 and 2017, their first two years as a club. Reached USL Cup in both years as Western Conference champions and now looking to do the same for a third straight year here in 2018.
1: It looks like it's going to be harder this year, though, as uh, your seat is a little bit lower. Just talk about what it was like to go out and get a big win in front of a big crowd out in Sacramento.
2: Yeah, you talked about the attendance, and it's great to see across the league in the USL some of the the great fan support that, that these teams are getting. Sacramento had a great crowd last Saturday when the School Park Rangers were there. Sacramento took the lead, but Soul Park was able to fight back and got two goals. Uh, Juan Cuisine, Juan Kamal, a homegrown kid from the Sporting City Academy, got the equalizer. And then Haji Berry scored his 18th goal of the season. Phenomenal year for him uh, for the game winner. And now this, this Friday, they'll go to Phoenix, who had 7,500 fans at their first home playoff game last weekend. So it's great to see the, the support all year long and now as we head into the playoffs
1: here with Kurt Austin, the Director of Communications for Sporting KC and the former job as well with United Soccer Coaches. It's another Dr. K, by the way, Mike Knipper, who has that job as well. A great guy, so nice handoff by you for sure. We're going to speak to Megan Cameron a little bit, but uh, also Brian Bliss is a name that we love in soccer circles for multiple reasons. And Brian Bliss is your Director of Player Personnel, but he's also going to play a role right with the U.S. Under-20 team. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, Brian's an assistant with the USU twenties underneath Top Ramos. He's currently with them for the CONCACAF Championship as they look to qualify for the U twenty World Cup. Um, so it's been great to to have him on on our staff and working right alongside Megan and Peter both and he's gotten a, a chance to help the, the next generation of stars, hopefully for the U.S. National Team.
1: Which, as I said in the open, it really does make it an incredible time for soccer, right? College soccer is heating up and there's been some big crowds at college soccer games, USL, Decision Day, and then the U-20. I mean, it's a good time to be in soccer, right, Kurt?
2: It's the best time of the year, I think, if you look at all the various levels. It's postseason time, at the professional level, it's getting to be that time at the college level, too, and, and even through the youth ranks, our academy seasons are heating up as they're in full swing with the Development Academy. And now with the U-20 Championships, we've got an Academy kid, Jalen Lindsay, who's going to have a chance to represent this country there.
1: You know as well as anybody, United Soccer Coaches is about diversity. It's about inclusion. It's about everybody. And Sporting KC, by hiring Megan Cameron in a key player personnel role, being one of the leaders in that, we're going to visit with her in just a little bit. But tell us why people should pay attention when we do visit with her.
2: Yeah. So Megan's got a great history and, and background in, in the sport. She played at Rutgers, just like Peter Burmese did. She then started in a front office with D.C. United for a couple of years after she graduated from college and, and then went to the league office in New York, where she was there for eight years in their player personnel and competition department, really getting a, a very unique experience and skill set from dealing with player contracts and you know player personnel decisions and competition decisions at a... a Period of huge growth for the league from 2010 to where they are today. Uh, the league's grown leaps and bounds. And so, Sporting Kansas City was fortunate enough to recruit her away at the end of last season. She joined us in December of 2017, and now she's brought that knowledge and experience that she gained at the league level and has made a huge impact. I think with Sporting Kansas City, with the Swole Park Rangers, and also with our academy.
1: Yeah, and we talked about it. Her claim to fame is being the first female to actually be involved in signing MLS players to official contracts, right?
2: He's a bit of a pioneer in that, since yeah, working on the the contracts and the salary budget and the, the management of the rosters for both professional teams as well as you know scouting and player development in the academy in the in the academy. So uh, we saw shortly after Megan joined our staff at the Colorado Rapids, also uh, made a, a hire in their player personnel department for another female executive, and it's it's great to see that trend continuing uh, as you look just down the road from us. St. Louis was in the news recently with potentially an all or a majority female ownership group looking to win an expansion franchise for the St. Louis market. So it's it's something that I, I think is only going to continue. And it's great to see that the, the league's embracing that.
1: And we so look forward to talking to Megan Cameron after this break. But before we let you go, we talked about Megan Cameron. We talked about Peter Vermees. We talked about Brian Bliss. We talked about Swope Park Rangers making another run in the USL Cup. I mean, Kurt, I'm going to ask it to you this way. The alarm clock rings in the morning. There's got to be a smile on your face, right? Driving to work. I mean, you, I feel like you're like me because I love what I do. Like, I do it every day. I mean, this is, you are at a great place right now, right?
2: Yeah, for me, it's even a little bit more special in the sense that I grew up here in Kansas City, going to Kansas City Wizards games back at Arrowhead Stadium, and to see how far the, the city has come with its support of soccer and, and the growth of the sport just at a local and national level, both uh, in a relatively short amount of time when you think about it, just a couple decades and to think where it could go uh, with the opportunity now to host the World Cup here in North America in 2026.
1: Kurt Austin, the Director of Communications for Sporting KC. He helped get this podcast really rolling as well during his time with United Soccer Coaches, and he sets the table for our next guest, Megan Cameron, the Assistant Director of Player Personnel for Sporting KC. That's right, a pioneer. She's up next on the United Soccer Coaches podcast, Presented by Team Snap. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Kurt Austin, a great friend of United Soccer Coaches, right? He used to work there. He was instrumental in getting this podcast up and running. And here we go now in our third-plus year. And he went back to Sporting KC. You heard his passion for the club, all things going great for Sporting KC because he's working with great people. Peter Vermees, Brian Bliss, right on down the line. And, of course, he talked highly about Megan Cameron, who joins me now as she is the Assistant Director of Player Personnel for Sporting KC. And Megan, thanks for being on the show.
3: Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, Megan, one of the things I like about you is, you know what, your kind of mentality from what I understand, don't call me a pioneer. I love the game. I know the game. I'm working in it. So we're going to get that out of the way right now. You were the first, though, to directly be involved in it. So that's pretty cool, right, as a female. But other than that, you're like anybody else, right? You know what you're doing.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I, I like to think I know what I'm doing most of the time. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's been great. Um, you know, uh, like you mentioned with kind of being the first, it's a great accolade to have, but hopefully there's there's many, many more females in the technical role to, to come after me and, and kind of like you alluded to, and what I've said in the past is I'm just doing my job. You know, Peter, Peter didn't call me because they wanted a female on staff. Peter called me because in his eyes and, and the rest of the sporting KC technical staff, they, they viewed me as the best person for the role. So uh, I'm, not, I'm happy to, to be able to fulfill it.
1: Yeah, well said. And Peter Verme's, uh, I mean, the articles that uh, they're writing about him now and how they're building it uh, is a testament to who he is. I had the honor of being around him in the early 90s with U.S. soccer. And then I was there in Colorado when he made that strong move back to defender all the way to defender of the year and led Colorado mm-hmm. all the way to the MLS Cup and went to KC and won a title there. So we'll talk more about him in a little bit and what it means to work mm-hmm. for him. But let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us uh, sure. where you grew up and, and how you have to going to Rutgers and then your steps after that. Tell us that story, please.
3: Sure. Um, so I'm from the, the great town of Succasuna, New Jersey. Um, it's, uh, it's a subset of Roxbury, Randolph, North Jersey type area. Um, nobody knows Succasuna, unfortunately. but um, So kind of just grew up playing there. Um, made the move to PDA. Um, I was part of the group that was the second club ever to play for PDA. Um, so, you know, with the, in the forefront of, of that whole area, um, with kind of the elite clubs in New Jersey, um, and then played with them for, uh, basically from when I was 12, all the way up through college. Um, and then went on to play at Rutgers University. And interestingly enough, of our, I think there were seven girls in my, uh, incoming class, maybe eight. Uh, six of us all played together at, at PDA. So we kind of grew up together playing together for four or five, six years before we even went to college together, which was really fun because you went to college with immediate best friends. So, um, so yeah, I uh, had a, had a couple really good seasons there. Um, we probably had our best season, my freshman year, from my recollection, um, walked to UNC in the uh, sweet 16 that year 2 uh, one heartbreaker. And, um, And then after my three seasons, I actually was not able to play my fourth season due to injury and just kind of refocused and took on a double internship with the Metro Stars. Um, And from there, I just kind of kept, you know, working and uh, seeing what was out there. And as soon as I graduated, I, I took a job with DC United and I worked in inside sales and I was probably the worst salesperson in the history of inside sales. Like, I just didn't want to ask people for money. I was just trying to be (laughs) friends with everybody. Right. Um, So, I made the jump over to the foundation um, and then a little bit after that decided I was going to go back to grad school and and move back to New Jersey to be close to my family. Um, And... You know, from there, got the job in the league office and worked my way up through there over eight years. Uh, and then Peter called, and here I am in Kansas City. I mean, that's a really, really abridged version.
1: Well, and but let's uh, dig into that abridged version. Let's uh, talk sure. about first at, at PDA, who was like your kind of number one mentor there? And, I mean, PDA is a legendary club. It was then as you just started it, and it is today.
3: Yep. Yeah, so I... Um, I had been playing for Mike O'Neal. Uh, wow. Actually, I played for Mike before I was at PDA. He was coaching me. Um, I forget the name of the club. It was like a MC Select, I think it was called. Um, and I played for him for a season there, and then we all just kind of transitioned into PDA. And so I would played for for Mike. Um, uh, Charlie Nemo was there at the time. Yeah. Um, Yep. i trying to remember some of the other names but yeah it was it was very much in its infancy I think there, like I said there was only two teams uh, they didn't even have a boys side at the time it was just girls so, um, Those are two there. big names
1: and in in women's soccer and two guys that have been, been on our show for sure and they they know the the winning mentality and and then you well, that's great because then Michael Neal was at Rutgers with Glenn Crooks who calls games with me on the Big Ten Network I called Michael Neal's game just uh, last week they had another overtime winner so just talk about I what
3: know. they're doing really well
1: yeah Mira I mean, Ali is a stud I mean you, you get yeah. her into overtime and it's game over <laughs> <laughs> she can finish so when you when you go to Rutgers you know, working under Michael Neal and Glenn Crooks since you knew Mike so well, that had to have been fantastic.
3: Yeah, it was. Um, it was a mixed bag, actually. Um, you know, it, it was fantastic, and I, I definitely want to point that out. But there was also um, had the had the other aspect of Mike where he knew me so well; it was almost like I was uh, a little. I don't want to say. I, I don't want to say different, um, but you know, it was it was a different mentality because you know he used to like drive me to practices or like you know like stuff like that growing up and i'm 12 13 years old and so then you have to go into this mode where you know you're one of everybody else and so it was a it was a learning curve for us but yeah it it was great playing for him um you know i, I learned so much playing for both mike and glenn and uh you know i wouldn't have been able to been able to go to rutgers had it not been for mike through um through pda and you know, I'd be remiss not to point out my my high school coach, Doug Shanks, who's actually in Arizona now. Um, and Doug's probably equally as uh, influential in my career in my career path as either one of
1: those two coaches. Well, I loved your honesty uh, when you when you left. Uh, you know, after dealing with that injury and and not liking sales, sales can be rough. And <laughs> going back and getting your degree, eight years at Major League Soccer. Who'd you work under there to really kind of craft your trade?
3: yeah so I was in the player personnel department there which is uh, which has been headed by Todd uh, Todd Durbin is a senior vice president or executive vice president I don't know his title sorry Todd um, and Lino Dequalo, Uh they had been there uh, for many years before me and you know they they've kind of built a league to what it is today and oddly enough I started uh, two weeks earlier than Tim Bezbachenko at least Tim and I shared an office uh, for the first two months we were there and obviously now Tim's i uh, been in Toronto, at Toronto FC for a number of years. So uh, I think I'd probably credit a lot of uh, my development to, to the three of those gentlemen uh, in terms of my professional career. There, there's so much to learn and take away from you know, the different ways that people do business and especially learning the, the international market. And um, there's a lot of I was very naive about the soccer business world going into it. Um, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, I, I kind of always thought like I played soccer cause I loved it and I just assumed everybody else was doing the same thing and didn't realize it was not always as honest <laughs> as one might think. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, they definitely uh, shaped me into being able to have this opportunity to come to
1: Kansas City. I love that story and the, the natural tie-in. I actually was the first director of communications for Major League Soccer, and Todd Durbin was an intern, and you could see right mm-hmm. away, you know, this young intern from Southern Cal is a huge Trojans yep. fan. He's as smart as can be, and man, he, his you know success is is amazing. And interestingly, I also like you made a decision that I wanted to go to the team level as well. I went to the Colorado Rapids, so here. You are you're chugging along for eight years, and yeah. you know I know it was Peter Vermes but uh, talk about that decision to go to a team. Maybe it was all Vermes but you know that's still a big decision.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was obviously a decision I took lately, um, and I, I really enjoyed my time at the league office. And um, it got to the point for me personally that I I was feeling the glass ceiling above me a little bit, um, and. It was. I kind of just went with the mentality of just put your head down, work as hard as you can, be really be that person the clubs rely on day in and day out to get the information or whatever it is that they call and request for. Because for me, my role in the in the player personnel department of the league office was always it's it's the clubs first, and you have to make every single club you know you're dealing with. When I started, I think there was 14 or 16, until when I left, and there was 22. Um, you know, you have to make every single person that calls you make them feel as if they're the most important and the only club you're working with. Um, And I think I did a really good job at that. And I think that's probably a a reason, um, ultimately, why Peter called, just, you know, the attention to detail and and being able to, um, you know, make everybody get the information they want quickly and, you know, accurately and all that information. So, um, yeah, it was... uh, it was not a decision I took lightly, and you know, thankfully, um, yeah, put my head down and worked. And, and Peter called me one day and said, "Hey, you know, we've got this opportunity." I don't want to talk to you about that. Do you think you can leave New Jersey? (laughs) It was actually the conversation we had.
1: (laughs) Well, that's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, it's funny because I did a a game and I was telling Kurt about it in the first segment and uh, Penn State had a player from Delran, New Jersey. And I know Carly Lloyds from there, who you also played with. But when I see Delran, New Jersey, I immediately think of Peter Vermes and and then seeing these articles about him now where people, and they've already, you know, recognized. I mean, the guys made the playoffs every single year there and he, you know, won Mm -hmm. as a player and converted to a defender but he just does things the right way right so it's kind of like uh, and, and you're too young for this but it's a little bit like EF Hutton you know that commercial back in the day when you know he, they talk people listen so I gotta believe you were listening when he when he called you.
3: Yeah um, you know I, I developed a really good relationship with the entire staff over the years um, you know obviously I knew Brian before he came to Kansas City working with him uh, you know previous to that and then um, Zoran Savage, Kerry Zavagnan, uh, even Mike Jacobs. Um, I developed a, a pretty good relationship with them just in general. You know, whenever we were at Combine or draft, we would always get together and have a coffee and just kind of hang out and catch up. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it was it, – it was an easy decision in, in one respect, but it was a pretty difficult one in another to, to be able to do it. But I, but I knew exactly what I was getting when, you know, when Peter called me saying this is an opportunity. There was never any there was never any doubt in terms of what I'd be walking into.
1: All right. So like I said to Kurt Austin, and, and I'm always, you know, kind of uh, – I mean, I always – am a super optimist, right? And, and get excited yeah. about things. But when I, when I see Sporting KC and I see what the Swope Park Rangers are doing and your academy mm-hmm. and knowing that Brian's involved with the U-20s, I'm thinking, you know, the alarm clock goes off. I'm excited about going to work if I'm part of Sporting KC.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's, uh, I'm, I'm about, I think, uh, 11, almost 11 months in now and I've enjoyed every single day. Um, you know, it's, one of the big things that I've kind of been saying since I since before I left the league office and once I got to the club was one of the things that I think I was missing towards the end of my time with the league was an emotional attachment to my work um, you know I obviously loved what I did and I cared about what I did but to have an emotional attachment meaning the results on the weekends matter um, that's, been, that's been a game changer for me and to be able to come into this environment now and and just genuinely care um, about what I can do to help the team, even though I can't do anything about it on Sunday or Saturday, you know, on the weekend, I should say. Um, that's, been a, that's been a really positive change for me personally in terms of taking this role.
1: I love that and I love your openness and candidness with that answer and we're gonna wrap it up by kind of going back to the original thing but less about being a pioneer and more about mm-hmm. a message from you remember you're on the United Soccer Coaches podcast I don't know if there's an organization that opens their arms to more diversity and mm-hmm. and everybody right and inclusion so knowing that that's your audience here 20,000 members plus with all of those advocacy councils mm-hmm. In fact, you mentioned Mike Jacobs. He was key in developing a lot of those advocacy chairs as well. Mm -hmm. What is your message to young women, young coaches, young people, uh, females, young females that want to work in soccer at the highest level in the men's game?
3: Sure. um Sure. You know, I would say that coaching is a great starting point. Uh, It's something that I tried when I was working in D.C. United. Uh, Unfortunately, my passion wasn't there, but that doesn't mean that you can't be a game changer um, at some level in a different capacity. So what I would say to that is, you know, as long as you believe in yourself and you've got a really great network around you of people that are going to, you know, be your champion in your corner and, and and be real with you, and tell you when you need to step it up, or tell you you know to, to get the right people around you. You know, I've mentioned a couple names. You know, you we I mentioned Doug Shanks, who's been massively in, in, influential. Mike O'Neill, Guncooks, Peter, Brian. You know, the list goes on. All the people in the league office. Um, for me, it's it's even if you know this is obviously a coaching platform. Even if coaching isn't going to be your final destination. It's a really good starting point to figure out where your strengths and weaknesses are, and then that way you can ultimately get to where you want to be. Uh, for me, I didn't know this is what I wanted to do when I was you know, 21, 22 years old, even coming out of college. Um, but it's just something that's evolved, and you know, I've kind of taken it full force.
1: I'll tell you, this has been a pleasure because when – Organizations are doing things the right way. I don't care what it is, whether it's business, whether it's sports, whether it's families. You sit back and you say, hey, something's working over there. And you're a key part of it. Their decision to mm-hmm. to bring you on and kind of be a trendsetter was a key part of it, Megan. I like your message and your, your candidness. And I like the fact that, you know, enough with, uh, you know, hey, yeah, I'm a woman, but I know what I'm doing. I like that about you as well. And by the way, I do like the fact that you're in the middle of a franchise that people are paying attention to, right? Because you guys are doing yeah. things the right way, Megan.
3: Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, that's a testament to, to our ownership um, and to everybody from the academy, John Perry, our director, uh, Slow Park Rangers, uh, Paolo Nagamora, and even the first team. I think everybody's really bought into the culture and, you know, we couldn't have done it without the, the, the support and the strength of our ownership group because they're really instrumental in us being able to achieve the the goals that we set out for ourselves
1: no matter your gender, no matter your color soccer is alive and thriving for everybody MLS Decision Day coming up the USL playoffs as well college soccer, Swope Park Rangers by the way in the USL playoffs Nazmi Abadawi, he plays for FC Cincinnati they're going to go MLS he joins me next, before we do that though, we say goodbye to Megan Cameron a superstar with Sporting KC Megan, great to have you on the show
3: thanks for having me, I had a great time
0: United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean Linky. having a great time today. I know the college soccer season is heating up. I know the conference tournaments start this weekend as well. But also, as we already talked about, Major League Soccer starting up. The U-20 World Cup getting ready to get going. And how about the USL Cup? Record number attendance in the opening weekend of the playoffs and FC Cincinnati. Perhaps the story in soccer right now. For a raucous record high crowd of 20,211 fans. The biggest crowd of the opening weekend. They knock off Nashville in penalty kicks and they're moving on. So much to talk about and we're calling out an old friend, Nazmi Abadawi, who you talk about an underdog who has overcome so much at every level to get it done, including at FC Cincinnati. 11 goals on the season. They're going MLS. We'll get to that as well. Nazmi Abadawi joins me now. Nazmi, great to be with you. Ian, good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on the show, man. You know, you think about it, the the record number for attendance for USL. I mean, the league is legit, and now you're getting ready to go MLS. But first off, before you go MLS, just talk about the level of play, the crowds, and your thoughts on the USL right now. Yeah, the USL surprised me.
4: Um, it's a little bit different than NASL as far as uh, it's a younger league. So I think that the physical ability is a lot higher in this league. Um, everyone's very athletic and it's a, a much higher tempo than it was in the NASL as far as pressuring and everything like that. The NASL was a little bit of an older league and uh, I think a little bit more technical quality at times. Uh, USL is almost it's a fight every time you play and I mean it's, the games are always interesting, it's always a tough matchup no matter who you're playing against. FC Cincinnati has been great. The, um, the crowds here are obviously unbelievable, something that um, everyone wants to play in, so I'm I'm very thankful for this year.
1: So you get there, and then all of a sudden the quick elevation to Major League Soccer. Talk about what that means to you, particularly when we you know when we start to tell the story of your journey, people will really be blown away. And then now this national team call up that we'll get to as well. But knowing that you're going MLS next year, just talk about what that means to you.
4: Yeah, well, well, first not, nothing's nothing for sure yet, right? So the club is going MLS, and then um, they're gonna select a few players or, or hopefully a lot of players from this from this year's team to go with them, um, so nothing's guaranteed for any of us. But so all of us are fighting for our spot. But just being with a team that has the opportunity to go MLS with them uh, means a lot because MLS is the highest level in the country, and all of us as players here in the United States want to play at that level. Um, so I'm hoping that if I do well enough and that things go, things go the way. Uh, well, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll have an opportunity to play MLS next year as well with this club. Uh, but, as I said, uh, no one really has any idea who's going to be making the move up or or for how long or any aspect like that at all. So, we're all playing it by ear, but right now our main focus is to is win the U.S. all playoffs, because I think if we do that, then it gives us, as players, a better opportunity to go MLS with the team. So, right now we're focused on that.
1: So, tell us who's up next this weekend for FC Cincinnati.
4: So, New York Red Bulls too, who uh, is a very good team. And we played them twice. We beat them twice, thankfully, 2-1, to one, but... Both games were some of the hardest games of our season for us. I mean, they they pressure a lot, like crazy. They're good on the ball. They play a good style. Um, it should be a very very tough game. But once again, playing at home, we're very confident. And having having the twenty five thousand there supporting us, whatever it is, is is huge for us as far as motivation goes. And uh, we're, we can't wait to get back at it.
1: It truly is a special story. I mean, Cincinnati, like people think originally about the Cincinnati Reds, the Bengals had a decent run, but people are now talking about Cincinnati as a soccer town with this elevation to MLS. And, Nasby, you just talked about it, playing in front of 20,000 on a regular basis. You can feel that as a player, right? Oh,
4: 100%. And what's crazy, Dean, is that we had 20,000 for the first playoff game. And I think that might have actually been our smallest crowd of the season, um, <laughs> because we—I mean, we—we we regularly get over thirty thousand, and the, the support here is—it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, I, I've seen it on TV before I joined the club, and and I've seen it uh, on Twitter and whatnot. But the first game at home that I experienced when we scored a goal was was unbelievable—how loud it got, and how the fans cheer you on, and everything. And I mean. Uh, I'm a North Carolina boy at Heart, you know me. I'm an NCSC supporter as well, but um, just the sheer number of number of fans that they get here is, is unbelievable.
1: I want people to understand your story as well. Even, I mean, Nazmi, heck, even going to FC Cincinnati, it took you just a little bit of time to get in the lineup, and then you go crazy with 11 goals, which has kind of been the story of your whole life. But back up the entire bus and tell everybody here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast about your mom and dad, when they came over to the United States, where they're from, and that'll help get us eventually to your national team call-up. But, you know, please keep all the details in there remind everybody where you came from, and then we'll talk about, you know, youth soccer, where you had to battle for that, going to NC State, and the whole thing. But start with uh, your parents, where they're from, and when they came over.
4: Yeah, of course. So uh, our family's originally Palestinian, um, but my my parents grew up in Kuwait. And then so uh, they got married in Kuwait and lived in Kuwait. Uh, That's where uh, my older sisters were raised as well. And then so uh, what happened was... um, Iraq invaded Kuwait in 1989-1990, I believe, and the U.S. Embassy essentially called my parents and told them, hey, if you want to come to America, uh, you have a few hours, grab a suitcase and meet us at the airport. And then, um, so they were like, okay, so they, they, I'm very grateful to my parents because they had to leave everything behind. I mean, they left their entire family, and it's not like now where you have Skype and FaceTime and everything like that. Like, I remember you used to have the calling card to call overseas, you know, so, it was a very difficult time for my family, I know. I mean, I wasn't born yet, but for them to leave, their entire family was over there. So their parents, their siblings, everybody was there. Um, their cousins, aunt, so they left it all for us, uh, for, for my sisters, essentially, at the time. They left it for my sisters. They flew over here, uh, to Raleigh, North Carolina, and that's where I was born. And then I, uh, I grew up in a community where uh, all my best friends growing up, were their families were on that same plane. Flying over, which was pretty special and pretty cool. Um, so that was always, always is, and always will be home for me. Um, and then growing up playing, I mean, I love the game. I love the game. I played with my friends, played with my dad a lot. I uh, Loved everything about it. Um, I remember the first time I got cut. I think from the, I was playing for Castle. First time I got cut from the top team was U13, um, and I was devastated. I remember. So then I uh, switched clubs, went to a different club, played for them for a couple years, uh, bounced around. Uh, Carolina Soccer Club, it was called, and then Gold Star for a little bit. And then I um, ended up at Triangle United under Elmar Bolovich who's now the coach of Creighton University. Um, so I played for him at Triangle United. My first year there, didn't play a lot. Didn't play a lot at all. Um, second year there, I actually played a lot more. Uh, thankfully, I played a lot more from then, and then um, did pretty well. Uh, I was the only one on my team that didn't get a uh, recruiting offer. And I mean, I, I got... Out of the whole country, I got one from a Division three school in Charleston, West Virginia. Mm. Um, but I, I was a kid that, I mean, I, I had no shame, essentially. I emailed every single coach I could find, uh, every single coach in the area, um, asking them for a walk-on spot. Like, look, like I'll don't worry about scholarship or anything like that. Just let me walk on, and I'll show what I can do, kind of. Um, didn't work out, so I ended up at Wake Tech Community College for a year. Uh, went there, thankfully did pretty well. Um, still didn't get any offers after that. And then, so what actually helped me is that two of my best friends had committed to NC State to play there. And they were, uh, and they, I was, I was, I've always been a diehard NC State fan my entire life. I mean, even when I was a kid, I was a huge State fan growing up right beside State. And, uh, and then my two best friends kind of like kept getting the coaches to like, yeah, just let them walk on, let them walk on. Uh, finally the coach called me into the office and, and was like, look, um, do you want to be on this team? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, look, you're never going to play. I uh, don't expect anything and everything like that. And I was just happy to be on the team, to be honest. And I'm thankful to the coach at the time. It was Coach Tarantini uh, for giving me that opportunity. And then so I get on the team. First year, I don't play a single second. Like, not at all. Um, I'm talking like uh, even when they had extra numbers in practice, I, I would still be on the side. And But I knew what I signed up for, essentially. So I just keep working hard. I was having a great time with my, with my friends on the team. I became very close to them uh that december the, the school decided to go in a different direction so they decided to uh get um or tarantini retired essentially and then so uh, a new coach came in kelly finley and uh from there it was, it was my opportunity you know that's the way i looked at it spring season my opportunity to show what i could do thankfully i, I did pretty well under him uh my sophomore that second year my sophomore year i scored nine goals uh was the leading goal scorer and then Junior and senior year, I, did, I also had good years, but I had uh, a few injuries that, that bothered me, like two sport hernias and whatnot. Um, long story short, coming out of college, uh, I was disappointed I didn't get invited to the MLS combine. Disappointed that I uh, didn't get invited to an MLS preseason as well, but I had known the guys from NCFC very well, from the Railhawks Hawks back then, uh, just from playing for the U 23 team and training with the team over the summer and whatnot. Uh, so they invited me to preseason. Um, they gave me my first professional contract, and and then thankfully they they gave me opportunities to play, and uh, I just
1: I just ran with it kind of. Yeah, you ran with it all all the way to the captaincy, a lot of big wins, a fan favorite as well, and I mean, thanks for actually, it it wasn't a long story short. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, your story's amazing, so I appreciate you keeping all those details in there because you're talking about getting cut from your club team and not being able to get picked up by any college team and then not playing at all, all the way to getting ACC recognition, not going to MLS, but then going through the the Carolina Railhawks and then North Carolina FC, and now you're a captain. you're rolling along and you had to make one of the toughest decisions I think you've ever had to make because Raleigh is your home you love it here but you knew just like your whole story that you had to go to the next level just so talk about that process to say you know what I got to go to that next level it's time for me to leave and move on.
4: Yeah of course I mean thankfully while I was at NCFC um, I had one or two MLS offers that came in while I was there Um, and I was always very, very honest and transparent with the club as they were with me. I mean, they know, I think they still have to say how much the club means to me and, and how, I'm, again, I'm the biggest supporter if I'm not playing against them, right? So I'm always a big fan of theirs. Um, and so I, I knew for me as a player uh, that it was the right time for me to make a move. I mean, uh, I was 26 years old and I decided to, and I had four amazing years at North Carolina. I played over 100 games there, which meant the world to me. Um, and, but it was an opportunity to go try go try something else um, and so um, I was talking to a few different teams in the offseason a couple of MLS teams but see Cincinnati came in and I saw the project and, and I saw the crowd and everything and um, it was hard to say no to um, it was a very dif- difficult decision uh, outside of soccer because of my family and my entire fan base and everything is back in Raleigh and that's what I've known my entire life so to be honest it was a bit of a, uh, an, an adjustment period because it was my first time ever away for this long Uh, And so at the beginning of the year, it was a little bit of an adjustment period, and I wasn't playing nearly as well as I wanted to, and I was overthinking things a little bit. But um, it happens, I mean, I think it happens to everybody when they move away for the first time. And thankfully, I got accustomed to it. And uh, to be honest, now I couldn't be happier here in the city of Cincinnati. Um, I still hope one day in the future I'll get to represent NCFC in some sort of capacity again. But uh, right now I couldn't be happier where I'm at, and I hope to be here. FCC for a long time.
1: I understand like early on, uh, and I don't think it was homesick or anything like that, but it wasn't like the coach was saying, hey, Nazmi, get out there. Like, just talk about how you worked through that, and I'm guessing, based on the story that you just told, you worked through it the way you worked through every one of your other situations.
4: Yeah, I mean, my my dad and mom, what they instilled in me is that uh, you work as hard as you can, and you control what you can, and then you leave the rest up to God, because that's ultimately what it comes down to. Like, I can I just give it my all, always, and I see what happens. So um, no, it was a bit of a weird offseason for me as well because I, I actually hurt my knee, a small, like a small twist, nothing serious, my knee um, the first day of pickup during offseason. So then I didn't really get to play or, or didn't come in fit for preseason with FCC just because preseason started early in, in mid-January. And so I come in off that injury, um, and I'm still trying to get myself fit and whatnot. And I was honestly a little bit behind because the level here was very high. Uh, so then I was almost panicked, like, okay, like I gotta earn my spot and whatnot. Um, and it took me a little bit of time, but then honestly I, I looked at myself and I was like, look, like you've been here before. Uh, you've never been the guy that's like the standout guy from the beginning, like who's go in there, work as hard as you can, have a good attitude, uh, control what you can control, and try to earn your spot and Thankfully, Coach ended up uh, giving me my opportunity, and and now I'll be able to take it.
1: Yeah, 11 goals later, including a couple against North Carolina <laughs> FC when you face them as well. And now a call up to the Palestinian national team. That's pretty exciting, Nazmi. Fill us in on all of that.
4: Yeah, so they, they've been reaching out to me um, for a little while now, and it's something that I've always been, been interested in. Um, and then. Once my family got on board, I mean it was a no-brainer to me. Uh, it's still not 100% official. We're waiting for the final paperwork to get done, but uh, if it does get completed, hopefully, then um, I'm, I'm hoping I'll be able to feature with them in the Asian Cup, playing against Jordan and Syria and Australia, um, which for me, is, as a player, it's a great opportunity to play for a national team to play international games as well. Um, and then you, you never know what, what happens after that, but uh, for me, it's just, like I said, playing at the highest level and International international football is is as high as it can go essentially, uh, but nothing set in stone yet. Uh, I haven't like officially received a call up or anything, but we're getting all the paperwork done, and then hopefully once that goes through uh the call-up will come but um we'll we'll have to wait and see if it officially comes or not but we i hope so
1: all right beautiful beautiful story and right now as we close it out the biggest focus is like you said winning the usl cup for the great fans of cincinnati right
4: 100 percent. i mean the the fans here deserve a championship they're they're unbelievable and as a player you don't get to win many championships so uh this is it's a dream, you know. We're two and a half weeks away from playing for a championship, so we're going to do everything we can to get there. Uh, our main focus right now and only focus right now is against Red Bulls 2 on Saturday, and they're a very good team, so we know it won't be easy, but we're going to take it game by game and, and
1: fight for what we uh, think we deserve. All right, and also i got to believe you got one eye on college soccer. NC State is back. I had George Kiefer on a few weeks ago. They beat the Tar Heels. They're pretty good. They are. They're, they're very good, and uh,
4: Coach Kiefer and uh, Coach Jeff did a great job of turning that program around, and um, and they're 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 making a noise in the ACC now. And I'm very proud of them. Um, I hope they keep up the good work, and hopefully they have a good run in the NCAA tournament.
1: All right. Nazbi Abadawi. What a story indeed. Starring for FC Cincinnati. 11 goals, a bucket full of assists as well. And if they know what they're doing in Cincinnati, you'll be on that roster when they go MLS as well. Nazbi Abadawi, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks so much, Gene. I really appreciate it. Nazbi Abadawi, Kurt Austin, the Director of Communications for Sporting KC, Megan Cameron, the Assistant Director of Player Personnel for Sporting KC. Another great show. I want to thank Sean Chevro, Mike Knipper, congratulations on your recent wedding and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches and all the great members, you listening right now. Thank you. See you same time, same channel next week for another edition of United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
0: Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more.